Hawks Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Welcome back. Hawks Live every Thursday. It's time to talk that talk. Moyer, say it with your chest, Moyer. Whatever you say, you say it with your chest. Tell everybody to jump on 710 ESPN and go and look at the stream video us in the studio. And my my chest is sticking <laughs> out right now. Moyer's been working out, y'all. He's been working out. Thank you. You noticed. Hey, I got you. All right. First question I have for you. Bring it. Because we're talking that talk right now. Will Gino go 3-0? and now they got the Steelers, the Saints, and the Jaguars. Before the bye, will they go 3-0 with Geno? I'd feel a lot more confident if our defense was a team that I felt I could depend on to shut this the other opponent down and get them a bunch of opportunities. But here's what I will say. I'm going to say yes, and here's why. We just got to win this one. Next two are at home. I don't think New Orleans is very good. I know Jacksonville's not. I also like it that we are we're we've all been on this team when you lose the guy. And there's one there's two two ways you can go. It's go south quickly. Yeah. Or everybody picks it up. And we got so many good players on this team. They just gotta bring their game up. Like we talked at the very beginning of the show. Last week, three of our four really yeah, three of our four high paid players, if they had done their job on certain plays. It was a twenty point, twenty one point swing on these on three plays, a holding penalty. You know, we didn't hit a wide open Tyler Lockett and Jamal Adams on that third down play cover two. So I think we're going to rise to the occasion. I think our defense is going to play much better. I, I, I mean, there's nowhere to go. You know, really. <laughs> I, I mean, there's sometimes you hit rock bottom and you just go, okay, guys, let's just go play football. We've been doing this since we've been like five years old. So I think we're going to go three and zero. But, you know, obviously this is the one. I think the next two aren't going to be as difficult. Okay. So there's two ways you make decisions, with yep. your heart yep. and with your mind. Yeah. My heart says, yes, 3-0, let's get it. My mind says, why would I believe they're going to go 3-0? The defense has struggled. The offense wasn't right with Russell Wilson. Now you got Geno coming in. I think Geno can move the ball, but you're going to have to lean on your defense. The run game, Carson's banged up. Alex Collins is going to get a few more carries. I'm just not sure that they're going to go 3-0. So I'm going to say they will not. I think they're going to drop at least one of these. I'm leaning more towards 2-1 and one rather than 3-0, just off of what I've seen the past five weeks. Do you think we win this week? Oh, yeah. No. Okay, so this is the game no. you don't think we no. get. No, I think, this, I, I think the, the ones after these they can get, but I think that Ben's healthy enough. They have a run game. They have two receivers on the outside. We know how we've struggled in the past game. They have a – Decent defense. Defense isn't as, as bad as ours has been playing right now. I look at it, the matchup, but look at the numbers. I'm just like, why should they win this game? And they won one time in Pittsburgh in 20 years. One time. Yeah, and that was 2018. Last time we were there. Yeah. I think it was 18. 19. 19. Yeah. So like that, which is kind of weird. And they they changed the rules, I think, on how we do divisional games and, and crossovers now. Because now you don't get to go to the you know, the other AFC to their place, but every eight years now moving forward. Um, 
I can't remember what I was going to say. That's not good. You're going to say, Bump, that was an excellent point. I agree with you. I'm it, changing my mind. It, no, it was an excellent point. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I was going to bring a really good piece to this, but I just can't remember now, so it doesn't matter. All right. All right. But simpl- about simplifying, I guess, mm-hmm. um, do you think, I mean, God, man, Russell's been the guy. I mean, Russell doesn't miss it. He's been injured, but he hasn't missed a game or a practice snap. Do you think losing Russell, that Shane Waldron's job will be easier th- this week with Geno Smith at quarterback? Oh, yeah, it's going to be easier. It's going to well, be easier. So, let me explain to why. You know, easier than that. Hey, part of it is not, probably not as much pressure, right? Um, you going to answer the question for me? Well, I was trying to set the the, que- the question up, but go ahead. Ah, yeah, let me – okay. <laughs> It's gonna right. it's gonna be easier. Okay. And it's gonna be easier because Gino's not gonna go to the line of scrimmage and check out of a bunch of things. Gino is gonna go through his progressions and hit the very first thing he sees open, rather than I feel like what Russell does is like, look, I know this is open, but because this is open, the defense is gonna react and this deep ball is gonna be there. I think when they talk on the sideline, Gino's gonna be like, Yep, okay, I got you. Less input. Now that input is you take it from Russell Wilson because he's a good football mind. He prepares. He's ready to go. But I'm sure at, at some point, Shane is like, all right, man, let's just run the play. You know. But Russell, being who he is, the future Hall of Famer, he has input. I think Geno's going to be like, what you want me to do, coach? I got you. Making mm-hmm. his job easy. They're going to be talking right up to that 15-second mark. The ball <laughs> might even be snapped right at the 15-second mark. Is his job easier? I think um, we're going to find out what kind of coach Shane Waldron is mm-hmm. in this one because – there won't be any bailouts. You know, there won't be in this magic get out of these certain rushes. Though, I will say that I, Geno Smith impressed me with his legs and his speed. You know, I mean, really, I, he's, he looks fresh. Obviously, he is. He hadn't played. Um, his arm, his accuracy. To me, the only bad throw he made was the last throw of the game where it was an interception. And it wasn't his fault. If we don't slip, there's probably not an interception. Yep. I just thought that was a forced two-minute there was a check down that would have probably got us a first down in the first play, got us around midfield. Um, I, I think it's going to be um, something that's easier for Waldron because there's going to be a consistency that how the the play develops, right? And so you're right. I think he's going to know what Geno's going to do. I know how to set this up. There's times where I don't know what Russell's going to do, you know, and so I'm not sure maybe how to set the next play up as well. So I think it'll be easier. I don't know if it makes it easier on the Seahawks, yeah. but I think you're right. I think it may, from a play-calling standpoint, I think it would probably be easier for Shane. Yep. All right. Jamal Adams will get his first sack on Sunday. Yes, he will. And here's why. All right. They've been playing him like a strong safety. He's not a strong safety. He's not a free safety. He's a hybrid. He's a guy that needs to be up around the line of scrimmage. I think we're going to see more of what we saw last year. I don't know how they're going to mix the packages. It's it's more difficult because you got Jordan Brooks in there and you got Daryl Taylor. So you go, well, who are you pulling off the field? I mean, you you got to pull somebody. And it, I'm not so sure. I, I again, it's I don't know if they'll do it because Bobby never misses a snap. I truly believe you got to rest guys who are older. I have no problem going in with a dime package and having Jamal Adams as a middle linebacker. Teams ain't running on third down. you know. So if I got third and six, third and seven, I got a truly another blitzer that they've got to account for. He's certainly capable of covering backs and tight ends. Um, I just think we're going to use him more around the line of scrimmage. So, yes, this will be it. And Green Bay's offensive line's not very good. 
I think with Roethlisberger being the statue that he is, he already was a statue, but he could move a little bit in his younger years. The per, the chances of him having a sack this week go up because you naturally think, okay, you have to pressure Ben Roethlisberger. He's not going to go anywhere. But I'm going to say no. And I'm just going to say no because I feel like Kitten Orton and Pete Carroll think they can get pressure with this defensive line. I think I think they look at they look at Daryl Taylor and they say, look, man, we're gonna we're gonna dial some things up for Daryl. We're gonna put him on some stunts. We're gonna put him in a nine tag. We're gonna do some things with him and drop Jamal into coverage like they've been doing. They've been playing him like a strong safety. I would love for him to get a sack this week. Um, I just don't think it's gonna happen. Well, hold on one second, Bump. Here's the other thing. So head coach Mike Tomlin from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a big fan of Jamal Adams. He's been watching the tape, and I think he thinks of Jamal Adams a little bit like you guys have been saying, especially like Paul just mentioned. Here was him talking about uh, Jamal Adams during his press conference this week. I put it up. It's coming. You just tell One us. One sec. On the defensive side of the ball, looking at them, uh, they got some dynamic players. Um, Man, that strong safety. Man, we got our hands full in terms of trying to minimize him. Not only in terms of in the box, in terms of what he does in the run game, but he's just an outstanding blitzer, man. I spent some time this summer delving back into 2020 tape and just looking at some opponents and looking at some players. And, man, this guy is the most dynamic secondary blitzer in football. I mean, the rate in which he gets to the quarterback, that is something to be respected. It's funny because too many people, to me, focus only on what he can't do. Yeah, and they you don't they don't watch what he does do because he still they account for him and he's still a freak coming at the football. I mean, yeah. he's a playmaker. I like for him to have more say. I like for him to make some plays in the passing game. But I, this is where I you you said something right before we did that. You go. I think Pete think we can get it with our front four and Daryl Taylor, which again four sacks, five games. Let's give him more opportunities. That's pretty impressive so so far. But I also believe that they know what they have, and that is what Tomlin just said. Mm-hmm. He's explosive. You don't waste that kind of ability sitting back in a, a three deep zone or him playing a two deep. That, that's not his game, nope. and and I think they've seen enough of it to go. All right, let's get our best players on the field to make plays. All right. We know what he does well. We know what he doesn't do well. And we shall see how they use him on Sunday. More things. He's going to get it this this week. First sack. Okay, when we return, we'll go inside the film room. Daryl Taylor sackle Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford finds Deshaun Jackson for a 6 yard bomb. Geno Smith to DK Metcalf. We'll break those down next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Thanks for listening to Hawks Live every Thursday at 7 o'clock right here on 710 ESPN. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. And now we get to be coaches. Moyer played in the league. He coached in the league. He coached high school. I'm coaching high school ball right now. We're going to the film room, coach. In the first play, we're going to break down Daryl Taylor sacks Matthew Stafford for a seven-yard loss. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Well, Dale, that four sacks in five games. He's starting to be what 
they thought he would be when they drafted him, you know, a steal of a draft. And I think he's going to be one of them. Uh, you know what impressed me on this? He's lined up on the left side. He goes up against their tight end. It's just how strong he is. I, I think of him as a speed rusher mostly only. Yeah. But he's a bull guy, rush guy too. I mean, obviously he has he's very strong with his hands inside. So, you know, this is kind of a bull rush, and he beats the tight end inside eventually. And it's just his effort at this point. Because after that, there's nothing, right? I mean, he's kind of sandwiched in between the tackle and the tight end. He's he's split those two. This is a, this is an effort sack. So when you get that from a speed rusher who can also bull rush inside, pretty impressive. Bull rushing is almost standing straight up. It's yeah. not even like he has leverage, man. This is just a young man who wants to get <laughs> out. Young man is right. The football, you know, those, those older statesmen. They're going to use good technique. They're going to get hands on the chest plate. They're going to push and get through. This is just see ball, get ball. I want a sack effort. I like that. It's a and you could make up for some technique if you just have great effort. And it's a good thing you got the sack. And you'll find this in almost every play. There's someone open. But, boy, sacks make secondaries look really good quickly. Yeah. So we need more of those. We need a lot more of those. A lot more. Okay, next play. Matthew Stafford finds Deshaun Jackson for a 68-yard gain on third and 10. Stafford, shotgun snap. Here comes the rush. Steps up. Going to let it fly. Got a man. It's Jackson. It's underthrown, and he comes back and makes the catch. And now turns upfield to the 30, the 25 being chased. As Jones was chasing him on a desperation play, Stafford throws it up for grabs. It's underthrown, and the only guy that adjusts to it is Deshaun Jackson for at least 75, maybe closer to 78 yards on that pass, reception, and run. Wow. You want to start? I'll go first. No, you on got this. It. So no one can ever claim that we only show good plays, okay, by the Seahawks. <laughs> so this one is actually something I wish we'd run more of. This is two-man. And so what that means, we're running too deep with our safeties. And instead of playing zone underneath, everybody's manned up, usually inside trail technique. And there's you, you don't want to trail real far, you know, because, you know, you start creating space to run, you know, inside-outside routes. And then if you run a corner route – you know, that's hard for the safety to come over the top on this. Uh, you look, this one is why we pay people big bucks. You got to make this play. Yeah. You know, this down, this is third down. This is actually LJ Collier's best rush of the year. It's awesome. The stunt mm-hmm. he does. He, he destroys Stafford. Stafford sees that last second. He's, he's looking to his left, which by the way, he would get because one of our guys falls down. I don't like this technique at all by our right corner, DJ Reed. Um, I don't, it's really hard to play man like that, you know, and, and then let somebody just keep breaking your cushion. Um, destroys him. And so Stafford comes backside thinking he has a different coverage. And, and this is this is actually should be an interception. Um, I don't like how our corners are, are running this because we're trying to disguise it. Let's just let's just be technically sound. And I mean, get up and bump. Take away the route, man. Take away the time. of the route. Yeah. We're letting these guys run down free. I mean, our corners just let these guys get outside. So now it's putting a ton of pressure on Jamal Adams. And this is why he doesn't, to me, make the play. It's basically a go route on him deep. And once they get past 15, 20 yards, it's one-on-one. Wide receiver versus the safety. And in this situation, he gets a little nervous of the guy's speed, gets turned more than he should, and ends up Jackson makes the play when it should have been an interception. But I, I would correct this, this technique. Here's what I don't like. I believe that's Sidney Jones, that corner over Deshaun Jackson. Doesn't get hands on him. I'm a receiver. You do not 
put hands on me during the route. I am living good. Life is great. I'm going to manipulate this whole situation. Another thing I don't like, that trail technique you speak of. I understand they're going to play a trail technique, but he is flat-footed, Moyer. Like, he's, there, there's no, he's not on his toes. I'm talking about Sidney Jones here. He's not on his toes. He's, he's literally saying, okay, run by me, then I'm going to try and catch up, which I understand trail technique, but I doubt that you would coach it that way. Um, here's the good. Jamal Adams sees it, turns and run, right? He's beating him to the spot, but it's almost like he's not even really looking at the receiver. He's kind of just saying, I'm going to make sure I get on top and at least prevent a big play from happening where it's almost like, you know, and I never played safety in the league. I played at high school, Culver City High School back in California, but I'm turning and running and I'm running to the receiver. I'm looking at his eyes. I'm looking at his body language. Is that football about to drop? And that just shows, and it gets to your point where, this week, right? Don't put him in coverage. Put him down in the box. That's just not where he's comfortable. Can he get better at this stuff? Yeah. The good thing is he, he's over the top. He's in decent position. He just doesn't locate the football. Yeah. To his credit, though, real quick, do you think if this ball is not underthrown, does Jamal Adams make this play? No, I was going to make that yeah, next comment. Great point. He, he, again, he, because we not, we're not jamming, again, I, I'm not even putting this on the corners. This, this to me, both corners are playing off. So I, they're trying to give him a three deep look, and then Jamal runs out late to the half. I, I, sw- I probably I could spend 30 minutes just coaching all these things here. But so there's two things that why it's, it's so difficult for Jamal. One, Jamal doesn't play a lot of cover two. My first thing that I'm seeing here is I have only one threat. I have one threat, and that's that left wide out receiver for Jamal. Now, if I had two wide receivers on that side, now i got to play this different. I got one. As soon as I see that one, I'm getting wider. Yeah, I, I, I've got my guy inside. I don't have to worry about anything inside. I'm getting wider and deeper. So now this guy gets no – there's no jam. And it's not taught. He's seven or eight years yards back. So – what we talk about reroutes, right? You can't reroute a guy in the NFL seven or eight yards deep. It's a penalty. Mm-hmm. Even in college, it's, it's they're they're coming at you too fast now. I can do it at three to five yards. I can reroute the people because they're not at full speed. In this case, J- Jackson's in a track meet, so Jamal is immediately threatened. You see him; he turns to run because he thinks this is a go route. Which, by the way. It's supposed to be. Yeah. But call your hits are got the quarterback so hard the ball's underthrown, it flutters, and in that situation it's just they made a play on us, unfortunate. In good position, unfortunate situation. Okay, last play. Geno Smith finds DK Metcalf for a twenty three yard touchdown. First and ten. Here comes the blitz. The throw. Metcalf reaches up. He's got it. Touchdown. Seahawks. Are you kidding me? From 23 out, Geno Smith throws a perfect pass over the defender, Rochelle. And Metcalf, with those two big mitts, reaches up. Touchdown, Hawks. They draw to within three, 16-13. Now they're getting empty, so you know what they're doing. They're going to throw the football here. Geno does not disguise anything. He gets into his, his drop, and he's looking right at DK. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Moy. It looks like a zone. I believe it should have been a 3D, but there's nothing to the flat, so everyone just starts to get a little depth there to start backing up. Um, Gino knew he was going to DK here. There was no one else he was going to. I look at the technique of the corner, Rochelle. I think that's what uh, we heard Rabel say his last name was. Um, he finds a football and kind of gets frozen. It's like a deer caught in the headlights. He goes, there's the football, and his technique just leaves him 
What DK does a great job of doing is leaving space on the sideline for a fade if Gino puts the ball further outside. I think that Gino knew where he was going. The DP, DB played horrible technique, and D, DK did a great job of just leaving space and then going up with his hands. Yeah, I'm not sure what to say on this. I, I'm looking what the Rams are doing. They ran like a zone blitz. They bring someone off the corner. They drop a defensive lineman. So they must think we're going to the flood side, our right side, where there's three wide receivers. I'm going, you, you're going to leave this guy all alone with DK Metcalf down in the red zone? you got to be kidding me. And you're right, the corner for whatever he misjudges this. And even if he didn't, it's going to be a jump ball. Yeah. I mean, it's at worst, it's an incomplete pass. I. I'm just impressed that Gino found the matchup he liked. He recognized what they were doing. He didn't panic because it looks like they're about to send five or six guys. Um, I think he recognized what the um, um, coverage was as well, which it took me 15 times to rewind it. I'm still not 100% sure, but I think they just said, we're going to play man up on the backside. We're going to flood everybody else over to our, our offensive right side. You know, touchdown. And, you know, look, Metcalf, we need to throw more of these up there where the worst is going to happen is an incomplete. Best touchdown, next best, P.I. Yeah. yeah. I think Geno's a guy. I think I think Shane Waldron's he's got an easier job this week. He's got an easier job. <laughs> All right. We shall see. Okay, when we return, we'll go around the NFL. Man, it's been a long week for Raiders and John Gruden. Urban Myers has some lofty goals. Are the Chiefs in trouble? We'll talk about all that right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus hanging out with Paul Moyer. We're going around the NFL, and it's been a crazy week in the NFL, especially when you talk about John Gruden and the Raiders. Now, we all know he offended about everybody in the book, Moyer. There's no, no one walked away from this not feeling some type of way when it comes to Gruden and those emails and everything that went down. So, But we're not going to spend a lot of time on that, right? He's been beat up all week. We want to get down to the team aspect of this thing. Like, Where does this team go from here? Right now, the interim head coach, the special teams coach, Rick Basaccia, 38 years in the league. Um, he has been around different organizations for a while. There's some guys on this team who are qualified to be head coach. You got Tom Cable. You got Gus Bradley. I mean, there's some other dudes there, but they decide to go with the special teams guy. Why do you think they go with Rich? Yeah, they got Rod Marinelli as well. There's a lot of guys with head coaching experience there. I, I've been around special team coaches that command a presence in a room. And more importantly, they're used to talking to the whole team because you have offensive and defensive guys on special teams that you're addressing. It's the one position coach that does that. Everybody else takes either you know their, their defensive side, offensive side, or position side. But I think in this situation more than anything, because obviously you know Gus Bradley could handle that situation, I think it's the least disruptive. It's one of those, you go from an offensive coordinator to a defense, and, or def, defensive coordinator to a head coach, it's just the amount of time, your, your game plan. And so now I go and take on a head coaching role. I've got to delegate other people to take on some of my role. And it's just, you know, it's that trickle-down effect there. It's a lot of moving parts. This is an easy moving part. Special team coach has the least amount of time with them, has the least amount of time really to do things. It's more about 
practice prep and being organized. And I think in today's game, it's even less now. I mean, you don't put as much emphasis on kickoffs and kickoff returns. So I think that's it. Um, and, and maybe this guy's dynamic. I, I, I don't I don't know him. I couldn't say his name if you, you said it to me again. Basaccia. Basaccia. I do like it. Basaccia. But 38 years in the game. That has – I mean, I know we got other guys here with head coaching um, – experience but 38 years says something you make a good point he can talk to the team and as a special teams coach I mean you take your work home but it's not like you are just man what am I going to do on third and five when they when this defense does this and you're not really scratching your head too much as a special teams guy you run what you run you defend what they defend and then you kind of move on so now as a player if I'm a player now you've heard guys like Josh Jacobs speak out and say look man I like the dude he wasn't bad to me I've been here a couple years you hear what Derek Carr said. He goes, look, man, I love the man, but you just can't talk like that. If you are a leader in this locker room, you guys were 3-0 at one point. You're one of the hottest teams in the league. You lose two in a row. Your coach is caught up in this scandal. Where do you go from here? Well, I think you got to find somebody that the team trusts, you know, I mean, to the core. You know, the there's there's going to be things creep doubt creeping on everybody. Well, what do you really say behind my back? And by the way, we may be talking about this every week because what the NFL did, they opened up a can of worms. Mm-hmm. You're going to open up every email, and we're going to go back as far. And by the way, we what he did is wrong, but 20 years ago, there's been a lot of wrong. And I'll, I'll just throw this one out. You know, I grew up, the word gay. You say, oh, you're so gay. There's a little kid, right? And you start to learn. You know, you go pull things 20 years ago, you go open up that to everybody, everybody. Yeah. I mean, where does that stop? And so I got a feeling we're going to be talking about this every week. Another team, another player, another coach. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, the culture of the NFL of the world is definitely changing, and he is caught up in all of that stuff. You heard a lot of players say he's a good dude, but – what he said is what he said, and it is leaked, and now he has to deal with it. Now, another coach who's been dealing with some stuff this year, Urban Myers, man. He, you know, he had his deal a couple weeks ago about him staying home and, and hanging out at a bar or whatnot, but he's got some lofty goals this year for an 0-5 Jaguars team. You know, I, I like our identity right now. If you say what's the identity of the Jacksonville Jaguar offense, it's a physical offense that runs the ball in balance. You know, our goal is always 250-250. I want to say we were 250, 200. You know, that's what we want to be. Our tailbacks are running hard, both of them. I don't think he meant 250, 250. I think he meant we used to be 250, 250 in college. Now we want that balance. But, look, right now he's making so many mistakes. (laughs) You know, it's just you go, what what are you doing? He doesn't look like he's having fun. doesn't look like he enjoys it. I think the only thing he does care about is don't lose. I don't even think he cares about winning. I've never seen somebody who's that stressed out about everything. And, you know, he doesn't control the things like he used to in college. You get the best players, you're going to win 80% of your games. You do a decent job of coaching and motivating, you start winning 90% of your games. He's he's a good motivator. He's proven that with younger people. These are adults. It's it's even across the board. Uh, You have to learn how to deal with losses. You have to. And no one likes it, but you have to. He looks whooped. I don't think – we'll do talk the talk next week. Does he make it through the through the year? You hear what uh, J.C. said? He said he might not make it the next two, three weeks. Well, I'll disagree with that. But I think this latest scandal 
man, it's just leaders. I'll go back to the Gruden thing because I've, you know, this week, you know, it's been brought up a bunch. People in leadership are absolutely held to a higher standard. Most deaf. And you have to. You are leading people. They can't doubt you behind the scenes. They have to know not just the trust. They, I truly trust you that you're fighting for me every, and you have your, the very best for not just me, but everybody. I, I thought the guy from um, uh, the Chargers head coach, uh, his, his was awesome today. And he's Staley, and he's a young man. But, you know, sometimes maturity isn't just in years, mm-hmm. you know, really mature. And just uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. Anyways, I, I think Urban Myers is um, he's, he's he'll be done by the end of the year. Just yeah, to get he's that done. Started. 250, 250. Right now you're 218 past 129 run. You're on five. <laughs> I think he's digging deep into what cliche can I say this week? What can I do to get these guys going? You know what you can do? Motivated 35-year-old, you get your butt back on the plane, you come back to work, you address the team on a Monday, you, you game plan, you show up every day, you show them Never heard of that, something like that I'm 0-5, we are 0-5, but my worth ethic does not change. Because these grown men can sniff that stuff out. You can sniff it out as an 18-year-old, but you can't say nothing. You're there. You're, you're, you are locked into that program for four years. Different now, transfer portal. But traditionally, you're locked in. You can't do that with grown men. You couldn't have flown home with the team and taken your private jet Back to Ohio? Crazy. I, I, we used to let players off if they were close to home and we were on a road game. and so We'd let a couple of them go from there. It made sense. Most of them we still made to go back to the facility because we needed to do training. And we rarely gave the guys the first day off. We gave them you know, after that, unless we're on a huge winning streak. I, it, it's just beyond weird to me. And so he's lost that team. I, th- I don't think he quits in two or three weeks. I don't think they fire him. But... He's just made two mistakes. He'll be gone by the end of the year. Before we get out of here, though, he said what he said. He said 250 for 250. And here's the thing. He did that 20 times when he was at Ohio State, right? So he could have been thinking about that. But he said it in the quote, you know, we had 250 and 200. So he's thinking about it. Just for context for everyone listening out there, that has happened, let me count, uh, one time in the history of the National Football League, okay? (laughs) That someone, that a team has done that. um, There's only been, excuse me, there's been 52 times where that's happened ever, but the fact that someone's averaged that, come on, man, it's, it can't happen. It doesn't happen. He said what he said. He was wrong, and I'm telling you, Bump, if I said that to you in the locker room, what, what are you saying back to me? That would be like saying we're for sure going 17-0. and 0. I'm shaking my head, but you know what he's doing? He's reaching for the stars. He might land on the moon. Hey. He ain't landing on the moon either, though. He- you know, you got to have, have a dream, <laughs> but sometimes we used, to, we used to say, but make them realistic, Yeah, and that's maybe where he is. All right. Make them realistic here. Okay, when we return, we're going to recap this show. We'll give you final thoughts and the keys to victory. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live every Thursday. Time to put a bow on this thing. Me and my guy, Paul Moyer, have been holding it down for almost two hours. Now it's time to, what what do these guys need to do? The Hawks I'm talking about. What do they need to do to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? They're 31st against the pass. They're 30th against the run. Somewhere around there. Flip those numbers. It doesn't matter. They're 32nd overall on defense. How how do we fix this? Well, stats are more important to... People locally and their team, 
you know, we're we're looking at we're thirty second, and what are, what are we against the rush? Thirty twenty ninth, whatever the number is, and then we happen to go look at the Chargers. And the Chargers have a great coach and one of the best minds on defense. They're 32nd yards a game against the rush, 32nd yard average rush. And this guy, is anybody thinking their defense is lousy? So, we, so my point is we hone in on stats more here. So what do we have to do? Well, look, we just need to start making the, the key downs, the key play. we got to start coming up more with the, those than they do. Now, I mentioned this earlier. We had three plays last last week that cost us 21 points. We scored a touchdown. Dwayne Brown got a holding penalty on him. One of our highest paid best players. Tyler Lockett runs a double move, wide open. We're going to go double-digit leads. Russell overthrows him. I get it. He had pressure, ended up breaking his hand on the throw. But he overthrew him on that. I'm not underthrew him. So he missed that throw. And then the Jamal Adam one's on cover two. Again, to me, he needed better help technique from the corners and everything because it's too bad we had a great pass rush on that play from L.J. Collier. That's an interception. At worst, we knock it down. We get off the field. We, you know, we got a lead, and now we're, we're giving up. We get, they end up getting a touchdown on that drive. That's 21 points on three plays. Now, if we make those three plays, we're not even having this conversation. So we're gotta, we got to make three big plays in this game on Sunday, and it's a wrap. Well, yeah. We, I had a coach who always said there's five big plays in a game that are 50-50 situations or, as I mentioned, you got a touchdown, you got a holding penalty. It's big. you got to come up with three of those five. Well, I just gave you three, so I know we didn't win those five, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's often what the game comes down to because it wasn't like the Rams whooped up on us. I mean, we're up 7-3 to three at halftime. We really, again, we should have been up 14-3. to three. We missed a field goal. I mean, got a touchdown call back. I, you know, I don't know if people forget this stuff. They do. They honestly do. You know, but those are huge moments in a game. And we, now we start saying, okay, now what's wrong here? What's wrong? Okay, let's look at the statistics. We can't stop anybody. Yeah, we, I thought we played pretty We did play well in the first half. And they, they got us on a couple of drives in the second half. We just ran, they ran a couple of routes. We just didn't adjust. You can't, so you can't ignore the statistics, but you can't dwell on them because they, it doesn't tell you exactly what happens in a football game. A football game isn't like baseball where the data is so important, right? We've seen teams outgain a team and still lose the football game. We've seen a team win the turnover battle and still lose a football game. I think football is a little different. Now, for this offense to get going, we used to uh, say kiss, right? Keep it simple, silly. Silly is I, – I, I changed that word because – you. I might get caught up 10 years from now for saying that other word. Okay? <laughs> <You're fired. laughs> I might get fired. So it's keep it simple, silly. I think that's what you got to do on offense. Just keep it simple. I mean, and simple means that it's doing what we wanted the Hawks to do anyway is get the football out of your hands quickly and run it and put drives together. But the defense is going to have to make a couple plays this game for these guys to win this ball game. I, I think – I don't know if I think we will. I'm optimistic that they're going to rise to the occasion. I think losing Russell Wilson makes everybody hyper-focused. It's like you know an, an injured animal, right? Um, you're, you're dangerous at that point. There's nowhere to go but go to play well. I mean, you, this is what you're paid to do. You don't have to worry about mistakes anymore. Your best player or most important player, Russell Wilson's not – 
on the team. And so you cannot put all the pressure on Geno Smith on this. Defense, you got to go win games. We got to get turnover. We got to get stops. We got to stop having so many first downs. We got to give our offense a ton of opportunities. I hope we can run the football. This would be a great game for it. You know, if we if we're not running it well and, and we're, you know, it's two downs and now it's third down and six. Third down and six. I mean, you're putting a lot of pressure on Geno. He's capable of doing it. We've got all the skill players in the world. Um, this game. This game is probably the most critical game of the year to make the playoffs because I believe if they win, they win the next two. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. You know, we're five and three. We're going into a bye week, you know, with nine games to play. Maybe we get Russell back, confidence in the defense, kind of like last year we started to see. Yeah. That's the hope. I, I don't know yet in my heart of hearts if I completely believe it yet. I feel like we're going to know a quarter into this game. Like I think we do a pretty decent job. You know, I'm not even going to say that because we've been wrong because halftime we going up 7-3. But even last week, um, was the last week they go into up in halftime 7-3, last couple of weeks, and you even said, like, yeah, they're up, but I don't like the way they've been playing. Mm. Um, again, another way stats will fool you. The score will fool you sometimes. Like, oh, well, they were up, but they weren't playing the best football. A couple of breaks go their way. You miss a field goal here. Look at the 49ers game. You miss a field goal. You miss a PAT. You get a drop. On um on on a kick return by Cannon number forty eight or forty nine, you take advantage of those, of those things. But you look at the stats and the Forty Nine ers win that game. Let me ask you this: you, you go on the road, and the way we've won over the last few years, been one of the best road teams uh, in football. But it takes usually a special leader to lead you in there, because and it takes special leader to to lead at the end to win games. And we're not going to have Russell Wilson, and he's the emotional. He believes. I mean, he believes when they get on that plane and they land, they're going to win this game. And while he may be there, it's going to be more as a cheerleader. How, how big is that? Just losing that emotional leader into these terrible yellow towels being waved all over the place. Yeah, I think that's big because you look at Russell Wilson and you, he makes you believe, like, yeah, we got a chance to win this game. I think you these players look at Geno and say, yeah, we can win, but we got to make sure we have his back instead of the other way around to where Russell's going to get us out of some stuff. We're like, look, we got to be ready to help Geno out when he needs some help. And this is where the defense, you're right, as you said, man, that's, that, you're, that leader has to come out loud and strong and back it up. And I'll get, I have one example. We lost Kenny Easley and Jeff Bryant, and, and I won't go how far back, two fantastic football players. We had a ton of injuries. Playing horrible. We just we were five and six, uh, lost three games in a row, and we were we were uh, you know a Super Bowl contender. They went down. We had a short week. And played on a Thursday night, or actually played Philadelphia. Played ugly, and they weren't very good that year. And beat them at the last second. We went on a roll. We won five games in a row. We, we couldn't be stopped. The offense. Dave Craig and them just said, "Hey, you guys, just do your thing. We're going to score in every possession," and they believed it. I when I I'm barely kidding. They scored on almost every possession the last four games of the year. They were that hot, and then our defense, man, we rallied around that too. So it takes somebody from the other side when you lose your leaders to say, come, you know, because the offensive guys say, yeah, Gino can say, yeah, but it's the other side that's really got to step it up. Yeah. I don't need the offense to. I just need them to keep playing as is. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see. How that we've ne- we've never experienced it without Russell. First time, first time for everything. Who's going to step up on that defense and lead 
the way, man. We appreciate you guys hanging out. Special thanks to Ray Fittipaldo, Colby Parkinson, and John Clayton for joining the show. Our board operator, Brady Robick, and our executive producer, Nasa Chobi. The Seahawks pregame show was live this Sunday starting at 2 p.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumpus, with Paul Moore. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.